It's Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. Everyone has AB fatigue. It's not an endurance run. It's practically a sprint at this point, a full 800-meter sprint. And we got Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times here to break down this autopsy. I mean, it really isn't just like a funeral about AB leaving the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team in which Tom Brady, listen, he got him two jobs a place to live, and a Super Bowl ring. And this is the aftermath that we have to deal with right now. Rick, are you tired or exhausted? <laughs> Which one? Um, I think we have exhausted AB, although I fear there'll be more you know, litigation and lawyers and things like that. But listen, this was an inevitable conclusion, right? Uh, the last four teams he's been with, he has blown up his own situation. And, you know, I think it was a matter of time. The difference is that, you know, they, they got eight games out of them last year. They won a Super Bowl. Yeah. The Bucks would do it again because of that. Um, but at the end of the day, this was Tom Brady um, wanting his guy, wanting someone last year when they had injuries to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Stories about the vaccination cards, all of that. He got injured. He missed a bunch of games. But something was different, Courtney, when he came off suspension with the, his relationship with the team. And obviously, let we learned yesterday in the podcast he did, his relationship with Tom Brady and Alex Guerrero. My biggest question before the podcast was released yesterday, where he sat down and got himself in a knee-deep in muck with the guy who practically saved his career, throwing everyone under the bus, which is more or less what we expected and expect in the future. I mean, I don't, I don't think that this has a conclusive end to it right now. But... My question is, did we see this sort of unraveling over the last couple of weeks? Uh, were there any indications that he had suffered this injury? I know that Brown was returned to play and did so after his suspension on December 26th, but he also aggravated the injury that day, did not practice twice that following week. What can you tell me about the timeline of how this went down and whether or not this is actually believable about, you know, laying this all out because of an ankle injury. I feel, obviously, I think we can all assume that this had a lot to do with extracurricular things, attitude, personalities clashing. But um, tell me about what you know about his specific injury. Well, he had been injured, and he did play the previous game. Um, he came back and, and had 15 targets and 10 catches for 101 yards. Played really well. They needed him for that for that game because they didn't have Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. Yeah. Uh, but he said he aggravated it on the two-point conversion. Now, during the week, we've seen the text message exchanges between him and Bruce Arians. He did a walkthrough on that Wednesday. He was sort of AWOL on, on a Thursday, Friday, and then he shows up Saturday, and you know, Arians told him, we're not we're not taking, you know, the week off. We're not waiting for the playoffs. We need you to play. Come in and see me. Um, so they were aware of his injury. He has been he had been treated for it, obviously. When he showed up on Saturday, he looked like he was ready to go. And, you know, they watched him move and, and run around. He wanted to play. Uh, and so the doctors cleared him. And then he went out there on Sunday, he played the first half, played pretty well. Uh, he only, you know, he had five targets and three catches for 26 yards, but you know, at halftime, he was complaining uh, over and over again about not getting the ball, not being the number one receiver, whatever. And the fact is, the only guy that got more targets was Rob Gronkowski with six. They only had one possession in the first quarter. So that carried on, I think, into the second half onto the bench. And, you know, they were going to try to limit the number of reps that he had. Same thing with Mike Evans, because he yeah. was coming off an injury. And then when he, you know, there was a certain personnel grouping he was part of and 
and he didn't respond. He didn't want to go in the game. And, you know, that's where it gets murky, right? Because we've heard Bruce Arians' story. It took him a couple of days to tell us. Uh, I think they felt they might have some exposure with the ankle injury. I don't think any, any way that Bruce Arians or anybody else forces a guy, you know, to play a game if he's, if he's hurt. Um, but at some point, Bruce Arians says he just wouldn't go in the game and he was still complaining about the targets and things like that. Yeah. So he tell him to get the F out. And that, that's really – after that, we saw the meltdown. We saw everything else. And even, yes, even yesterday, according when he did the podcast, he was talking about targets. He was talking about not being used. He didn't spend a lot of time talking about his ankle. And, and if you watch him, I always say this. If you're going to believe the audio or the video, believe the video because he looked okay in the game and he looked okay doing jumping jacks on the way out of that stadium the other day. <laughs> yeah. Despite everything that the medical team has done or how many Toradol shots or cortisone shots right. you're going to shoot up into that ankle. I mean, I think the adrenaline itself, and he even said it, the adrenaline in MedLife Stadium, I had to show them my uh, my my big ass, <laughs> you know, and more or less of what he was talking about. And it was seemed like a, you know, a, a clout play. And this is more or less in his hands. What was, Rick, was Antonio Brown forced to play more was there more of a sense of urgency because Chris Godwin's ACL tear? I don't know that he was forced. I mean, I, th I think they they wanted him back obviously because he was the last of their you know starting receivers uh, with Mike Evans out. But Mike had returned you know prior to this last game. Um, he was limited somewhat, so nobody forces an NFL player. Look, they had Brashard Perriman ready. Um, they they got have gotten great play from uh, one of the best stories in the NFL. You know, Cyril Grayson, who was an LSU mm -hmm. track star that never played football. He's 28 years old, been with four or five teams. Um, so they were going to get it done. You know, that's the thing about Tom Brady, or making use of Cam Brady, some of their other tight ends. Yeah. They were going to find a way to do it, especially against the Jets. But they got behind. The Jets played very, very well. Um, and they needed to rally. And they were down 14 when they asked them to go into the game. So, um, you know, I, I just find it hard to believe there's a certain protocol that Bruce talked about that is true. If you're an injured player, uh, you're going to go to the trainer uh, always, right? Because the coaches can't make that decision. If you leave in the coaches' hands, they're going to make the wrong decision every time. And, you know, the players and, and the team are protected that way. So uh, he didn't go to Bobby Slater. He didn't go to Alex Guerrero, as far as I know. He would have been in the tent. They would have worked on that ankle to see, just like they did with Chris Godwin. I mean, Chris Godwin tore his ACL. They had him taped up and seeing if he could run on the sideline and, and yeah. you know, before they decided to knock him out. So, um, I think it's clear after listening to him yesterday, his attitude was bad. He had asked for guaranteed money to guarantee his performance bonus. They wouldn't do that. Complaining about not like yesterday, he said Ben Roethlisberger threw him more balls than Tom Brady. I mean, yeah. you know, you can kind of see where his mindset was. It wasn't good. B.A. spelled backwards is A.B. So <laughs> no. who is the who is the true alpha in this? And I mean, like, here's the biggest question. Why do you, why do you think that the Bucks put fail safes in his contract? They didn't think that this guy was going to implode in some sense. Well, right. I mean, I, look, nobody wanted to sign this guy. Let's be honest here. He didn't have any leverage when even after last year, um, when he played the eight games and he, and he helped them win a Super Bowl, had a touchdown in that game. But he was the last guy that they signed as a free agent, and yep. they waited. He had the lawsuit, you know, with the trainer. Um, she accused him of uh, uh, sexual assault. And once that was settled, uh, they waited two more weeks. They held their nose and they re-signed the guy. 
Uh, but they yeah. didn't quit right away because even they were fearful um, that, you know, the problems would catch up to him as they have everywhere he's been. So this is not, listen, I think the, you know, everybody talks about, well, AB's crazy, maybe he has CTE, which you can't de detect, you know, without postmortem uh, diagnosis. So, mm -hmm. oh, that's fine. But, you know, this league enables him. This league continues to put him out there, continues yeah. to reward his behavior because he's still one of the best receivers in football. You can't get past that. He really is an extraordinary player, even at age 33. So until or unless the NFL says, no, you're going to have to stop and work on some issues here, um, he's going to keep getting chances, but probably next year somewhere. That's really the sad part in this entire scenario that Bruce Arians, he runs one of the most player-friendly yeah. um, locker rooms in the league, and he still couldn't make this one work. Does anyone expect anything less from this guy next year? And a lot of people will assume, including insiders like Josina Anderson, that this guy's going to get a second chance in the NFL. But where does the buck stop? All puns intended. You know, I mean, like, does the buck stop here? Does Antonio Brown... Does the league, what has to happen before the league finally wakes up and says, really, we should keep him out of the league so that he can go help himself? I mean, like if someone like, you can't force that upon someone who is not mentally well. And someone like Brandon Marshall, a Brandon Marshall's book, he's, you know, admittedly bipolar and, and him helping others would really do a number on this guy. But I, where where does this where does this end or are we going to continue to see to see this uh you know unfold the way that it is and I I think even the bigger question is Rick where does Tom Brady stand in this are is he going to step by now that he's thrown him under the bus mm -hmm. is Tom Brady going to stand by his guy and continue to try to help this man that is beyond the point of help I don't think so. You know, Tom really didn't want to talk about him this week, and, and I don't expect him to talk about him ever, to be honest with you. Um, he invested a lot in Antonio Brown. I will say this, that, you know, Tom Brady needed him. A.B. said one thing that's true. They were friends in the sense that Tom needed him to play football for him. Yeah. That's why he was here. Um, at the end of the day, I think Tom cares about all his teammates. I think he cares about Antonio. That's sort of the way his leadership is. He, he tries to help people. But he helps them so that they can help him win football games. Um, you know, Christmas Eve, he fired Alex Guerrero, asked for his money back. Alex had no trouble with that. It's okay if a Antonio Brown thinks that somebody owes him money, he can ask for it. But when, like, the chef asks Antonio Brown for money, that's called extortion, as mm -hmm. I recall, having written that story. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, Brady has to be hurt by this. And he, he says he had some personal feelings about it. He didn't want to get into it while they're still playing games. Um, the ones, the people around him in his camp said they just hope Antonio Brown gets help. And, you know, I'm okay with that statement, you know, because I, I think he would probably benefit from it. But by the same token, nobody was telling him not to play football. You needed to get help until halftime of last week. As long as he could help them win football games, that was going to be the focus for them as far as Antonio Brown went. So, you know, if he needed it, I don't think the league does a favor by enabling him to play, but it's really up to the, to the National Football League. They've suspended this guy 11 games in the last year and a half, and, you know, nothing has really resonated with him. So, you know, short of saying he's suspended indefinitely or requiring some kind of evaluation, et cetera, uh, you know, I, I think he'll be eligible to play. He is right now, as far as I know, he cleared waivers. You know, I don't think anybody will sign him. 
And whoever does, just imagine that press conference. I always say, have the press conference. You're going to walk up there and introduce Antonio Brown, and everybody in that city is going to replay that videotape from his last game of the way he left that stadium. And that's going to be a tough, tough sell for, for most fan bases. But you know what? As I found out in Tampa Bay, they just want to win, baby. They don't. Fans don't care. They root for the front of the jersey. They don't care what's on the back as long as they're winning football games. Do the Bucs deserve sympathy for this? Uh, you know, they, they didn't have to do anything in the aftermath. He's going to bury himself. But it, it, it's, do they deserve sympathy for the way that this all went down? I don't think so. Um, I, I think they knew what they were dealing with. I think they knew that they had a time bomb on their hands. And, you know, did they expect him to, you know, strip to the waist on the way out of a stadium and disappear? No, I don't, I don't think they thought it would be that proportion. Uh, but again, um, you know, their mistake was re-signing him again. I mean, they got eight games out of him. They won a Super Bowl. Every one of those coaches got contract extensions. Many of, of the front office people got raises, all because they won a Super Bowl. And Antonio Brown helped them do that. Heck, they were 7-0 and this year, Courtney, when he won, when he, when he played. They're 7-0. and So he's a factor in winning. And that's what this league is about. And, and sometimes people – Get that confused. But, uh, you know, these families of these men uh, that are in the National Football League who have kids in school, they like living in Tampa Bay. They like being, um, you know, a member of the Buccaneers, whether you're a head coach, a GM or a cap guy or whatever. Mm. And you just want to win. And yeah. I, I think too often in this league, uh, you know, people will overlook too much uh, to, to stay with a guy like Antonio Brown just for that reason. Has Rob Gronkowski said anything? It's kind of funny that um, he also included the greatest yeah. tight end of all time. I mean, surefire Hall of Famer. I don't think Rob Gronkowski needs a prove-it deal when he's already proved that he is the greatest tight end. I mean, I think we can unanimously say yes. greatest quarterback and tight end connection of all time. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't need a prove-it deal. And I, I think that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans are leaps and bounds better than Antonio Brown. There's no murmurs from his camp at all? Private chat? No, well, no, no I haven't heard it privately, but I, I mean, we did ask him about it uh, this week and and he really didn't want to address it. I think all those guys, you know, uh, Alex Guerrero, of course, works on all the team. He's got an office in one buck place, but his three guys, his three main guys were Rob Gronkowski, mm -hmm. Tom, obviously, and Antonio Brown. He even had a special place uh, at the facility where he would take care of those guys. And um, so they all have relationships together, obviously. Um, you know, but I, I think, I think Rob, like, you know, Rob's loyal to, to Tom. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, Rob doesn't have to defend his resume. You're exactly right. The reason why Rob Gronkowski has guaranteed money, one, they traded from him for him last year. His, his contract was already uh, what it was from new England that they inherited. And this year, I mean, what are you going to do? The guy uh, played 20 games, won a Super Bowl for you, had two touchdowns in a Super Bowl. He's absolutely Tom's most reliable guy, the guy he trusts the most on the team. That's why he got him here. He doesn't have to defend his record. And, and I think this shows the mindset of Antonio Brown, right? Last week he was he was thinking, hey, Rob's his boy. How come he doesn't need a, 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 an earn it contract? How come I'm the guy with all the performance bonuses? And, you know, he was so close to it anyway. He just needed eight catches and one touchdown away from a million dollars over the last two mm -hmm. weeks. And he could have easily got that. But, you know, this is his mindset. And, and that's why I think he hurt himself when you go on these podcasts 
and you're not talking about your ankle. You're talking about all your grievances, you know, as far as not getting the ball and not. Yeah. Well, this is the same Antonio Brown that left 30 million on the table with the Oakland Raiders. Should we really be surprised? Uh, I don't think there is anyone that burns money faster than this guy. And it's, um, it's sick and it's sad. And I was saying this Rick on my show yesterday that it's uh, people like Antonio Brown are allowed to thrive and succeed because that's how page six sells newspapers. They, they, they thrive off of the dysfunctional and people are there to egg him on. So uh, unfortunately, this is a, a terribly um, re-wash, re-rinse rinse cycle that cannot really be done or be helped or done. And I almost feel like if the league stepped in, if, if, Roger, if Roger Goodell stepped in and said, all right, we want you to get help, I mean, he would, he would kick and scream even more. So it's almost like you let him alone. And hopefully there are no GMs, uh, as you said, Rick, that, that are going to bring them in for a press conference next year because he's old, he's washed up, he's dirty. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him. You know exactly the uh, the, the stress and the, the gossip that's going to come through and seep into that locker room. And he's 34 years old. I guess this is a situation where you just got to let things handle on their own. Am I right? Yeah, and, and I would never say never. You know, I, I was surprised the Bucks did it twice. Um, I was surprised, you know, after Oakland, anybody wanted Antonio Brown. And I thought that maybe just because Tom Brady, you know, they have not said no to Tom Brady here at all, ever. And yep. they probably won't. And, and I think this was the one place where Antonio, you know, could get that endorsement and still have a job. After this, I'm not so sure. But, I, but you know, we, we've seen it in this league, right? Um, at some point, somebody's going to say, it's just a bridge too far. Yeah. Well, and another thing that I, you have to mention is Tom Brady, although he did sign that two-year deal, uh, you know, two years, 50 million, or, you know, everything that the Patriots wouldn't offer him. Before this year, he restructured his deal that freed up $19 million in cap space. He's the 15th highest paid quarterback in the league because they knew they couldn't sign for number one wide receiver money, they had to have Chris Godwin be franchise tagged. So, you know, I, Evans has restructured his deal multiple times. Mm-hmm. So what more can be done in behind the scenes? I, I think that, I think that it's just, it spells it out right there. Yeah. They got, they've got a lot of guys to take care of and, they, and they're not going to have much money. And that's why Antonio at a discount was worth it to him. He was never, he didn't have a market for that matter. You know, neither did Levant or, uh, trying to think of the running back. Help me out here. Yeah. Leonard Fournette. He didn't have a market. Leonard Fournette. I got got the wrong one. (laughs) Market either. uh, And he came back at a discount. There wasn't as much money in the system last year because there were no fans and they lowered the salary cap. Now it's back up, you know, some 20, $25 million. So they'll be able to, to negotiate, you know, what they need to to try to keep Chris Goblin, who's now injured and probably won't be ready till next October. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of guys that aren't going to be on this football team, whether it's age, um, you know, free agency, what have you. Um, it's going to be a different football team. And the question is, Courtney, does, you know, does Tom Brady play um, that contract? You know, he can easily get out of. It's not punitive. And from a salary cap standpoint, um, he can certainly decide not to play next year. And I don't know what happens in the playoffs, whether that has a major impact or not. If he wins the Super Bowl, does he walk away or say, I want to be the first guy to win three? If he loses and and thinks he can win next year, does he come back for one more hurrah at age 45? I don't, I don't think we'll know that um, until shortly after this season. I, 
Rick, I couldn't agree with you more. I even said it yesterday. I think this is this is kind of the nail in the coffin against Tom. It really just not. It looks so poorly upon his reputation that he put his Hall of Fame career, that Canton Shrine, and that bust that is going into the league whenever five years after he retires and finally hangs it up. This is a blemish. And everyone has blemishes, but um, backing a guy like this and Antonio Brown is just, it, it's its very sad. And good luck to AB's um, you know, financial team. Good luck to his lawyers. You're fighting legal action. You quit a game. Uh, you used a fake Vax card. And um, you're going against everything on a very powerful organization. Yeah, you know, players are cut from the NFL every single day. And, and you think you're special. So um, this should be a very interesting thing as it unfolds. Rick Stroud, I cannot thank you enough for your time. You were so generous to give it, me this on this uh, nice, beautiful Florida, sunny <laughs> Saturday afternoon. <laughs> Good luck, Courtney. It's great seeing you. Good luck in Miami. I hope we catch up soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, that was eye-opening, to say the least. Thank you again to Rick Stroud, my buddy from the Tampa Bay Times. He covers everything. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is at the forefront of all the breaking news. He actually broke the news about Antonio Brown's fake fax card. It has been a circus, a complete circus down there. And I think he had some pretty defiant things to say that he doesn't believe Tom Brady will ever talk about Antonio Brown ever again. We can all agree that this league, this NFL, and the fans, and everyone that is in Antonio's camp or not in Antonio's camp, that this league has allowed itself to enable Antonio Brown to do the things that he does. Yes. And how about things Rick said about the future? It's going to be a tough sell for those fan bases when they sign Antonio Brown and you bring him into a press conference. What is going to happen to that fan base? Do they just want to win, baby? Or are they going to look at this guy and be like, wow, we made a huge mistake? I will tell you, the last four franchises that signed him, yeah, they did make a huge mistake. Thanks for riding with us on Bad Signal. This is a special Saturday episode. I just felt I needed to get someone on to talk about the aftermath of this podcast that he did yesterday. Stroud is a big Bruce Arians guy. I mean, so, I mean, what you're hearing from him, it comes directly from the camp. So, uh, that being said, let's move forward. Week 18 tomorrow, we got a bunch of games on the docket. If you did not catch some of our picks from yesterday, obviously I got to drop the fade Fallon pick six on Sunday. So uh, myself and Steve, we went through, we have, we are on opposite sides of the gamut with this 49ers and Rams game tomorrow. I think that's the most important game. Uh, Kansas city. I think they take care of business tonight. I took that minus 10 and a half and I put two units on it for them to beat down the Broncos. Vic Fangio, head coach of the Denver Broncos. His job is in jeopardy for Adam Schefter today. Hope you enjoyed our little Adam Schefter gift too. That was, that was pretty funny. Anyways, coming up next, we got a little preview of the college football championship game with James from Better Edge. He knows the college game better than I do. Uh, and we got some previews on what we're going to be doing with Better Edge, our podcast sponsor for the Super Bowl. So, Stay tuned. Another 10 minutes. We'll get you through your day. Enjoy. It's a once a month thing that we've got going on the Bad Signal podcast. We got James from the Better Edge crew who opened our eyes to squares. We had a great introduction to a feature that's a competition feature, but with strategy that's happening on the Better Edge app. 
every major game, Monday night football, Thursday night football. So James, welcome back to the show. Uh, this month is super exciting with the, the national championship coming up on Monday next week. And then obviously the, the NFL playoffs are going to be huge for us. Uh, just like any betting company, I mean, NFL is king and NFL playoffs just when it matters so much. Uh, people love to have some money on the line. So we're excited and we expect a, a massive uh, volume bump this uh, this January. Have you seen a volume bump towards the end of I, I know that there are certain people I see follow on Twitter or social media. They said, I proudly have bet every single <laughs> college bowl game this is remarkable and this is something new that's going on for me this year so have you seen sort of those numbers tail up towards the end of the month and and what kind of volume are you expecting absolutely we it's funny we track our largest events from a volume perspective and uh the super bowl had kind of still dominated 2021 back in february which was crazy because we sort of just launched that but it just shows you how popular that is um, but actually, the Cotton and the Orange Bowl were our two largest events of 2021, uh, with the Cotton Bowl just edging out the Orange Bowl by a few thousand bucks. So we definitely wow. expect to see the NFL playoffs surpass those um, by a long shot. And then we'll probably see four times the volume as we get wow. down to the NFC Championship Games and the AFC Championship Games and then inevitably, inevitably the Super Bowl. Hit me with some more better edge stats. How many orders were placed during each of these bowls? I mean, I was outside the tailgate scene at the Orange Bowl. It was pretty crazy. I think myself and my friend who was there to help me record this little pregame uh, better edge trivia situation, you could tell that the Michigan fans were just happy to be there. <laughs> they got they got their asses blown out. And it was like Georgia was actually – a lot of the Georgia people, they were sitting – by the edges of the tailgate parking lot and they had full-blown like rows of chairs just watching the Alabama game intently so I think that they already knew that this was going to go down Georgia and Alabama in the national championship game and Alabama is actually an underdog in this which is remarkable I mean that over-under is at 52 right now but the line has been moving in Georgia's favor yeah, absolutely. And I'm as shocked as you are, to be honest with you. I mean, if you even look back at the bowl games, I mean, Alabama sort of, they they did something very unexpected against Tennessee or Cincinnati. And I think it's purely for setting up for that Georgia game because Georgia's two worst games on the year were Tennessee and Alabama. Yep. And both of those teams went up-tempo and air-rated. And that's how Alabama beat them in the SEC championship game. But then you look at the Cincinnati game, Alabama didn't throw the ball for the first two series. And really, wow. they hardly threw the ball at all. So I think they're hiding a lot of what they plan to bring out against Georgia. And so it, it surprises me that Georgia's favored. I, I suppose people maybe think that they tailed it in in the SEC championship game because they didn't need to win. But I, I think you can't overlook history and you can't overlook who this Georgia team is. And I, I foresee Alabama coming out with the win on this one. I, I couldn't agree more. And you know why? Because of what Mac Jones did and fell on his face, had his rookie game, wasn't prepared enough, and they lost the AFC East title, at least for right now. I know we're walking into week 18, but there is a stat that Bill Belichick and Nick Saban have never won titles in the same year. Nick Saban has won six national championships in the college ranks. Bill Belichick has won six Super Bowls obviously, in the NFL, neither of which have won at the same time. So it's either one or the other. 
And now me personally, I'm kind of giving up the idea that the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. A couple of weeks have gone by. I've just changed my decision. It was that wishful thinking for a little bit. I love this team, but I don't think they'll win. So I'm putting all of my eggs in Nick Saban's basket. I just think Alabama must be seething and love this line as an underdog. It's even more motivation to beat their rival in Georgia the second time around. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're superstitious like I am, that is a great stat <laughs> to go off of because then you can blame superstition. You can't blame your actual analysis, which I like betting on that. All right, let, let's let's get some crystals and some sage, as my girl Joy Taylor <laughs> likes to say. Let's just let's let's burn the house right now. Let's clear the energy. Talk about the upcoming NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl. Some really fun Week 18 scenarios. I'm just hearing now that Joe Burrow is not playing in this uh, finale with the Bengals. I know that they're going to be sitting a lot of the starters in much of the um, higher tier, higher ranked um, playoff seating teams. Baker Mayfield has gone on injured reserve. I thought that that was going to happen months ago, but um, there's, there's, but there's certainly some better edge competitions that you have lined up. I know that you guys did some sort of a poll that said, who do you like to bet on more playoff implication games or these dog poop games? And personally me speaking, I just, I'm like, do I have to bet this game? I almost think that the jets should cover <laughs> In every game going forward, obviously, it was, I, you know, I, I should have been, I should have not been surprised that they covered against a Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, um, you know, in MetLife Stadium. But what are some fun competitions that you got going for each of these rounds of the playoffs? And I know that, you know, we're, we're already a week into January. When this episode comes out, it's going to be January 7th. So we got, we got, we got, we got some time. We got some time until the Super Bowl. But um, what can we look forward to from your end of things? Yeah, and I'll just recap as well on the Week 18 scenarios. Um, one of my favorite ones that happens very rarely is uh, the tie to get in the playoff scenario, and we have okay. one of those this week. So if uh, Jacksonville somehow beats Indianapolis, then the Chargers and the Raiders can literally do a kneel-off and tie for them both to make the playoffs. So that'll be that'll be an interesting scenario, which I, I always like to see that. And like you said, with the betting stuff, I mean – Week 18 is almost like the preseason in some ways because yeah. you just have no idea what's going to happen, especially with these games that don't really have any meaning. So uh, it, it's kind of a fun betting week, but yeah, definitely looking forward to the playoff weeks where all these games matter. Going into the playoffs, you get less and less games as the rounds go on. So you got to get a little more creative than our you know, core competitions that we do today. So Early on, there's a ton of wildcard games, which is awesome because they only give one buy this year. So we'll still have the wager-based competitions. We'll have the pick em stuff for the week for uh, the wildcard playoff round. Um, but then as we start dwindling down, we're still going to ramp up squares. We're going to have some high-stake squares options where you know maybe the minimum square will be $10, hopefully getting some of those payouts into the, the five digits rather or four digits. We'll see if the Ooh, Super Bowl can get to five chaos. digits. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be exciting. Uh, also, we are going to be introducing more fun team prop competitions. So instead of just picking, you know, maybe against the spread, you'll also be able to pick, you know, in Indianapolis's first touchdown or okay. uh, New England's total passing yards on the game, stuff like that, which will be uh, interesting and allows for additional bet types. And so, and really that 
leads up to the Super Bowl because there's nothing more fun than betting the Gatorade color and the, the national anthem length and all of those fun things. So we'll have them available on our platform as well. Oh, it's so great. One of my favorite shows that I did, I did, oh man, I did four shows like back to back to back. So it was like a super cramped. It's like four full episodes. I think each of them were like an hour and a half. Um, and I did a, a Super Bowl exotic props show where we were we were going down. There's a guy at the game day, Anthony Servino, who was fantastic. And he was really into the exotic props, the Gatorade, um, over under on the national anthem. Will Bill Belichick wear a hoodie? Like all those, like all those silly, stupid things. Will a fan run onto the field? Plus 3,000, like all this, <laughs> all this crazy stuff. I would assume, though, since the game is at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, it's going to be even more high stakes, more celebrities, uh, more glitz, more glamour. Working in the NBA now, I don't think I'm going to be able to go, which is sad. But I just I, I don't miss the crowds. I, I got to say that. I'd rather be sitting on my couch. Last year, there was a snowstorm in Boston. This year, I'll be in sunny South Florida watching the Super Bowl on my phone looking at my squares analysis page, because I do, you know, I do. This is very important, man. If you're going to be talking about four figure payouts for Super Bowl squares, I'm getting everyone involved. And yes, if you use the code Courtney, you get $20 to join better edge right now. So go on the app, betteredge.com slash Fallon, enter the code Courtney, and you will get some free money to bet some free money to bet on some high stakes squares. Maybe we do like, maybe we can do like, like a blackjack table, like five, 10 and 15, you know, like there could be different levels of things. What do you think, James? Absolutely. Yeah. We're definitely going to have different options. So we're, we're not going to price anyone out by uh, setting up a square only with $20 minimums, but we'll definitely have options for a lot of people. And you know, what's funny with your uh, squares analysis page, we, we looked at some of the data and most I would say 90% of the square winners have purchased their square for under what the market value would have wow. been. And so what I mean by that is, let's say you have square zero, zero, and the probability of zero, zero hitting at least one of the four quarters is around 10%. And mm -hmm. if the total pot is $100, you would expect to pay $10 for that square but the square is typically going for five or six or seven bucks. And so people are getting the squares for value and actually getting paid out on that value. So it's kind of fun to see. We'll see the market catch up as uh, people learn more about it. And um, yeah, it's just been fun to watch. I love it. James from Better Edge, he is the man. We're sending you a Fade Fallon hat. Just don't worry. We got to get that productivity up and going. <laughs> James, uh, we will check in with you back in February forward. We're looking forward to February when we can get a full AFC, NFC championship game preview. We can get the Super Bowl ordeal. We can talk about maybe some Pro Bowl stuff that you guys got going on. But always good time chatting with you and uh, good luck this week. Hopefully I take home the cake in, in one of these squares competitions. I got, I got screwed. I got screwed during the Cowboys game because they just blew Washington out of the water. And I was just yeah. so mad. I was, I had it down pat, man. I think I put it like at least 16 bucks. I did four, seven, seven, four, zero, three, one, four. <laughs> 
I, I can't I can't give all my secrets away, but all right. <laughs> hey, all right. I think you had Dallas on the, the spread though, right? During that game. So that was oh. easy money that whole time. Yes, yes. I think I, I even I think I put two units on Dallas on the spread. Nice. I think it was, yeah, it was Dallas minus 10. And I was hesitant. And I was like, honestly, that was the best money. But I did, yeah. And then I I I threw some extra change, some um, some charity change in the um in the squares competition. So uh <laughs> that's where I missed out. But you know, it's good. It's going to be all good. I'm going to, I'm going to be a squares expert by the end of this year. It's already 2022. So we got this going on. James, thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you so much for You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.